1: Hello and welcome to Your Book, the podcast for literary nosy parkers. I'm your book inspector, Daisy Buchanan, and we're back with a special episode to celebrate the paperback publication of my novel, Limelight, a comedy about a sisters' sexuality, complicated secrets and self-described feminist icons. Last summer, we launched Limelight with a competition. If you pre-ordered the hardback, you could win the chance to be a guest star on Your Booked and come join me for a chat about the books you love to read. Huge congratulations to our winner, writer, designer, and occasional bookseller, Kezia Venner. I had such a lovely time with Kezia. We bonded over our passion for romance, we talked about the enormous part books played in her childhood, and we discussed the magic of bookshops themselves. When we take a break, I'll be telling you a little bit more about Limelight. For now, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kezia. So I'd love to start by asking you about cozy winter reading. We're recording at a time of the year when it is cold and we all need cheering up. Do you have any go-to books that you love to read that bring you a bit of comfort and joy?
2: I never reread, so I would always um I'm always on the lookout for new books. Like my favorite thing to do is to go into the the debut section of a bookshop and try and find something that rings true to me um and I get I love a romance novel so if I want something comforting and nice to curl up on the sofa with it would usually be something romantic um but recently I've been sort of branching branching out a little bit (laughs) I read uh The Secret History recently for um a book club and it's not so cozy but it it's very cold which has been quite good to, a good start to the new year um which is yeah I've really enjoyed that one.
1: Oh, that's such an immersive book, isn't Very. it? Very. I love the universe of the campus. And I know when I read it, it somehow wasn't anything like what I was expecting. Yes. And then I've given it to people who have been a little bit kind, I think people expect it to be quite dry, but it's so compulsive and propulsive. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I, I just couldn't stop. I, I I, suggested it for this book club and people, the people in it are like, what this was not what I was expecting at all. <laughs> Comparing it to, to Saltburn, I like vibes at the moment as oh, well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I love that. Um, you mentioned romance, and
1: I'm curious about the kind of you know the TikTok tropes. And if you have a kind of story you love, if it's like Enemies to Lovers, mm. is the one that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. But if there's a kind
2: of any description
1: of a story where you yes. think, Yes, I would love that. Yes,
2: well, I try, um. And I mean, I don't definitely don't go for just tropes, although I have definitely enjoyed an Enemies to Lovers before. Um, I really like a a story where it's about the woman's journey through something and romance is a big part of it. Like, I, I don't think I would ever really fully enjoy a book if it didn't have an ounce of romance, something in it that I can root for, a kind of beginning of a love story, whether it ends it good or bad. It's like something there that I just love the relationships that you can read about. Are you
1: an Emily Henry fan? Oh, yeah,
2: I've got, I've got some Emily Henry up here. I do love an Emily Henry. I've got
1: a spotted a yes. few. Do you have a favourite one of hers? Uh,
2: I, think, I think actually her most recent, Happy Place. Um, before that, I did love Beach Read, but I think Happy Place... Sort of trumped it once that came
1: out. I loved Happy Place. I thought it was so fun and again it is just rooting so hard for them to be together and I think I love the friendship that she draws as well that her books feel so sort of fully realised and full dimensional mm. but it, it's a love story and it's escapist and fun and joyous but it's also a whole universe yes. that you feel as though any of those characters could kind of have their own story. Yes.
2: Yeah that's, that's definitely the best way to the, what I love about some romance novels, the the best one I've read recently would, I guess, be classed as a literary romance, which was Talking at Night. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, I think my best read of 2023, I absolutely adored it. And that as a love story is gut-wrenching and heartbreaking, but also so incredibly real. And that's what I really love about a good romance novel is when it feels real. I don't like fake, like this This could never happen, almost pushing, pushing some boundaries or um, a very set-up situation. I like something that you are in these characters' head, experiencing it in a very real way and experiencing their emotions and how that changes as their relationship starts to build and you see their flaws and you see what's good about them and how they then learn to love each other's flaws. Do you have any literary crushes? Are there any book characters where part of the fun is wanting to be in the romance? (laughs) Yes, I mean too many, I think. I think so many. I loved Will in Talking at Night. I really loved him. He's totally not someone that I would love in real life, but in the book he he was very emotionally intelligent in a very quiet way um he took a long time to sort of understand himself but it was that that I fell in love with of him beginning to understand himself on the inside um there were other characters maybe not crushes but characters I just absolutely fell in love with um and I mean there was another book on heartbreak that I love I love a book on heartbreak I love to cry (laughs) during a a book this one I picked up thinking it was a novel because I I do very almost 100% only read novels Um, but picked this one up it was actually shelved wrong in a waterstones and um, began reading it and then 100 pages in realized that the author had the same name as the main character and I thought oh maybe this is actually uh non-fiction and that novel like I absolutely fell in love with the man she was heartbroken not to have <laughs> um, and it was called Notes on Heartbreak by Annie Lord um, and I just think it's one of the most beautiful explorations of love and heartbreak i've ever read
1: i mean i think that's so powerful isn't it i think we want our stories to feel real but also when something is true but it is as absorbing and addictive to read as a novel i think that's a real sign mm. of brilliant writing yes i'd love to hear about your relationship with books growing up and those very very first books that really spoke to mm-hmm. you and kind of what your reading
2: journey has been yeah. like i mean books genuinely changed my life and of huge contributors to to everything I do almost. Um, and it it really, I was a late bloomer to books. I didn't really read as a child. I, I was read to, always read to, and our, our, my parents are definitely people that wanted to make sure that we always had a book to read. Um, but for me on an individual level and picking up a book to go to bed with, if it was more than a centimetre wide, I would not look at it. But then, um, Twilight came out, and although Twilight is, I mean, it's a obviously a global phenomenon, it genuinely changed everything about me. I read that book and absolutely adored it, and from then read all four of them in two weeks, which was the biggest, the most amount of words I've ever, I'd ever consumed. Um, and then through that, I discovered music, I discovered drawing, I used to draw all the characters, I discovered the beauty of words and stories and I just couldn't stay out of Waterstones had to be in there every weekend, getting a three for two, and I'd read the three for two in the week, and then I'd go back again, so much so that I it was my first job was in a Waterstones because I mean they recognised me, they knew, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, so you were a bookseller? Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I was a Saturday girl for I think three three to four years. Always came back for Christmases, but uh, and did like a, a bigger stint, but it was. Amazing to be a bookseller and to be around people that love books and who come in and I mean they expect you to have read the whole shop (laughs) and it's like I haven't read the whole shop.
1: Can you remember what you'd recommend to people and the question I always have for booksellers is is it like working in a record shop when someone hums something off key you have that people describing something in a vague way and you've got to figure out what it is. Oh absolutely it's always
2: yeah it was like it's a blue book with white writing or something like that and you've got to try and figure out what it is Um, but I was at the beginning I was mainly on the sort of front desk where usually that's where people bought general fiction because non-fiction was upstairs children YA at the back but I was a teenager at the time so I was purely reading YA and was desperate to be in that section so I'd kind of hang around that section if I ever got to be around the shop floor and my go-to recommendation was anything by Patrick Ness I absolutely adore him. I've every single book I've read of his. I think is brilliant. I think he does so much for yeah, for young young people in his work and in his writing and just in who he is as a person. I've met him several times and it's always cemented oh, that. Um, but yeah, when I was a bookseller, it was always. Do you want to read something cool and exciting? And it was always Patrick Ness's *The Knife of Never Letting Go*. This amazing dystopia that um, totally immersive. Uh, one of the best endings I've ever read to that trilogy, and I I will always have a love. For those, for those books, for sure. So
1: it sounds like you love the series. I'd love to hear a bit more as well about how Twilight found mm. you. Was it sort of through a friend? Because it was such a phenomenon, wasn't it? At the time, I worked at uh, Bliss, the teen mag. Mm. And I got that job right as the film was about to come out. Yeah. And it really you just couldn't escape yeah, it. Yeah, certainly.
2: Well, it, was, um, it came out a few days before my 14th birthday. Um, and I... I watched the film that's how it happened I watched the film and then I was like oh my god this is amazing I have to know everything about it and it began what has quick what has now become what's many years later a very significant part of my personality that I will latch on to something and give it everything like it becomes me and this has happened with books with other books since um but this was the first one that did it my parents will say that it switched me on genuinely it's like my grades improved my artwork improved my writing improved so it, it I started writing as well when I was 14 all because of these books I was discovering then and have continued writing and written several novels. I've not got one published, but I have one that I am hoping to do that with that I've been working on specifically the last the last year well, that's so exciting congratulations
1: yes. and the number of authors I've interviewed where I'll never forget I think Beth O'Leary who wrote The Flat Share mm. which I yes, adored up there. <laughs> she said because The Flatshare did spectacularly well and people would say you know how does it feel to have all this amazing success with your first novel and she'd say no 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 this is not my first novel I think The Flatshare was like her fourth or fifth or yeah, maybe more. Yeah. And she's like, that's it, that you just, you write yeah. until... Until it's... You know, you have that lightning strike moment. But it sounds like, you know, for you as well, it's the love of writing as well. Yeah. And that love of storytelling yeah. is so in your Oh, heart.
2: absolutely. I, it's my, I mean, it's my happy place. It's my escape from the world. It's absolute, total relaxation. I feel like my brain isn't isn't doing anything else but writing but the act of writing isn't any effort it's just coming out and so I spent spend hours spend weekends doing that I've I went on a writing retreat in Tuscany last year which was incredible um and yeah I have a have a novel now that's with readers and it's I'm getting feedback and it's all very exciting that um and I mean I must say insatiable was one of the beginnings of my return to to fiction as an adult. I read Insatiable, and I mean, I picked it up in a Waterstones, and I wanted something sexy. I wanted something exciting. I wanted something about a woman, and I read the back of that. Loved the cover. And that's what introduced me to you, obviously.
1: Oh, well, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you so much. Mm. That makes me so happy. Mm. Um, and yeah, because when I wrote it, I get that you know it was my first novel, and I'd written nonfiction before, mm. and it was so fun because you know, and I'd always you know written stories and, and written things, but it was that feeling of having the stabilizers taken off your bike Mm. and so often especially with you know being a journalist as well and everything I wrote having to kind of say well here's an opinion I have but I'm backing this up with this source and this person and being I suppose almost mathematical Mm. and sometimes missing you know the freedom Mm. of it and then you know it really was kind of going downhill going (gasps) oh I'm allowed, yeah. I'm allowed to just write, yeah. write this.
2: And I, um, I think that's definitely what you feel when you're reading it. And it was inspiring to read it because, I mean, I started writing my, the one I'm, on, I'm working on now in, in lockdown, as I'm sure so many people did. Um, and it was this kind of escape from reality and this allowing my, this character to be totally free and to go to, big parties and to go on lots of dates and to have lots of sexual experiences, that kind of thing that you just couldn't do in lockdown. And then reading Insatiable, it was like, oh, my God, you can just just create this this character, this life, this um, yeah, freedom on the page that, um, I mean, I was scared about some of the things I was writing about and then reading from from so- someone else that's written something so... Um, intimate maybe and then it Filthy. yeah <laughs> saucy yeah <laughs> um and yeah I really really loved it I'd been mean, it really kick-started what's behind me or in a, as a as a adult fiction lover um because there was a gap between um I, I've always read, but there was a gap between the obsessiveness of reading and I definitely have the obsession back now in, in full force and this was one of the first to bring that back, so... Yeah. And I, I wanted to say as well, Limelight, I mean, I absolutely loved, loved it. And um, I work in lingerie. So I, I'm a lingerie designer. So reading this, kind of, it was very much about sort of body image and discovering how you can feel good. And then the way that she's that she really obviously very struggled with the best way to do that for herself. But um, I I really connected with it on that way and then there's like the lingerie shoot and that kind of fear that she had but then at the end this amazing all women empowerment thing I I really loved it and I just wanted to mention that um oh I'm so happy to hear (laughs) that thank you so much and I'm fascinated that you're you're from that world love it very different to books but I can maintain the books and the and the writing in 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 my home life and then go and design pants in my work life
1: (laughs) Oh, that has I was going to say made my day. That might have made my year. <laughs> That's the loveliest, loveliest thing I've heard. I'm so oh, happy I'm to have triggered this obsession. And look at these yes. beautiful shelves. Yes. Um, yeah, there's a and lot. And they're so gorgeously organised. Yeah, um, I will because we're a podcast and we are um and <laughs> yeah. an oral medium. I was, I can see that I love the colour coding love like the yellow shelf and the orange shelf yeah. and the um the pink shelves. It's funny, is because I was thinking about you know loving romance and there being possibly maybe more pink than anything else mm. but I I don't mind that when pink as a color makes me yes. happy I don't feel sort of you know condescended to by no. by a pink yeah book. I
2: mean I'm I'm currently sat opposite my pink reading chair in next to my pink kitchen <laughs> so pink for me is 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 great and I'm happy to have many a pink spine on on my bookshelf. Although I, I feel that there is a lot of orange within um, the kind of novels mm. that I go for. Um, I mean, Insatiable is actually orange, isn't it? But um, there's a, a lot of the books I want is also orange, which is a, also a good colour.
1: <laughs> Ooh, tell me what's your other than Insatiable? Um, tell me about some orange books you love that are
2: behind yeah, you. Well, I mean, Talking at Night is one of them animal by Lisa Tadeo, incredible I loved that and again it's one of those others that sparked something in me and when that happens I have to I I have to like have it I have to it's like I I saw a word the other day it's like you're not a bookworm you're a book dragon and I just hoard. All of the books and the knowledge and the pretty things and definitely Animal I have three copies of because one's a trade paperback, one's a hardback, one's signed, one's a normal paperback. I just... I. If I love something, I I want to have as much of it as possible. Um, I mean, I have yours in hardback and paperback, which is another another thing. Um, Twilight. When I was obsessed as a teenager, I had twelve of the first book, which is should probably be an embarrassing thing to admit, but it's it's the truth.
1: <laughs> I do, I collect copies of a book called The Pursuit of Love
2: by Nancy Mitford. It was oh my on TV. The... Oh, I <laughs> love here. that edition. Yeah. I've got it here it's I had I because I tried to arrange sort of what I had on my TBR and that one is the second on the list the pursuit of love I've not read it oh
1: I love it okay. so much and I to be honest I struggled a little bit with the TV version because I just didn't I think it's always the case yeah. isn't it so and especially and it's different with Twilight especially if you see the film yes, fast, yeah, yeah. but I read that book when and I remember reading it because um it was year eight, and our teacher said, for sort of, you know, revision. And we were all nerds and grammar school girls and bothering him saying, Mr. Daddy, what should we do? What should we do? And it's like, just, just, just read a book for the love of God, please. <laughs> read something, read anything, read something that you've never heard of. And I can't remember if my mum said, I think you'll love this, or if I found it on a shelf. But I remember reading it all in a day mm-hmm. and having that delicious, thrilling sense of, oh, this is allowed this book feels and looks really old-fashioned but it's actually surprisingly modern mm. and it is about it's a love story and it's about a woman making mistakes at a time when it's really hard to be a woman making mistakes and it's also um me and my friend lauren bravo who's a brilliant writer here at gorgeous good book called pre-love which is coming out in paperback um the week of recording, oh. um, our favourite genre we say is posh but poor. A bit. Have you read um, "I Capture the Castle"? Oh no, I haven't. No, I've, I've heard of it. I haven't read it. That's our our favourite genre, and there's a lot of that in the procedure of Love. But it, I, I think it's really funny okay. as well, it's, and it will make you cry. Uh,
2: well, I I do love a book that makes it's me got cry. An- yeah. Well, it was. Um, I went to the Cheltenham Literature Festival at last year, and it was one of five that. I followed a bookseller around and she just recommended me five titles and that was one of them. So yeah, very, very excited to get on that one now. What a treat. Mm. Can you remember what the others were? Have you read any? So the others, what was it? Um, The Mess We're In by Annie McManus, which is quite different, I think. Oh, I really want to read that. Is that a novel? Yes, yes there were so many I, I, I have too many books to to, to, to keep and track it's a lovely literally a
1: paper trail isn't it because you find one and then it leads you to another yes. one and guides you to another yes. one
0: selling a little or a lot We'll be back with as soon, but first I'd like to tell you
1: about Limelight, which is out now in paperback. It's the story of Frankie, a 29-year-old woman with two sides. By day, she's awkward. She feels too big, too tall and not special enough. She lives in the shadow of her beautiful big sister Bean, who has a perfect family and a perfect life in Clapham. She's a peacemaker, trying to make sure Bean isn't bothered by their mother, Alison, a widow and a recovering stage mother with an overdeveloped sense of theatre. But by night, Frankie is an anonymous, glamorous temptress uploading explicit photos for her small community of online fans. It's a secret, but it's one that makes her feel confident and in control. However, when Bean is diagnosed with breast cancer and Alison forces Frankie to front a national charity campaign, Frankie is exposed and shamed. Enter celebrity feminist influencer Maz Clark, who wants to take Frankie under her wing and rebrand her. But what does Maz really want? And can Frankie find her way back to her family and herself? Limelight is a comedy about bodies, sisterhood, and all the complications of being a woman in the social media world. As Ellie Middleton said, if you loved America Ferrara's speech and Barbie, you'll love this book. It's published by Sphere and available everywhere you can order a signed copy from the Margate Bookshop they deliver across the UK. I really hope you love it. Now back to Gezia. You mentioned lockdown, and I'm really, really interested in how that changed our reading habits. Mm. And I know it's a little while ago now, but I think of that time... That being a time when I was really interested in reading about parties because I couldn't go out and I couldn't yes. go to anything. And I think that's when I read a book called Tales from the Colony Room by Darren Caulfield. And it's an oral history of everyone who used to hang out and go drinking with Francis Bacon and Lucy and Freud at this oh, wow. notorious Soho, well, it's called the Colony Room, a drinking club. It's only known as Muriels. And my husband ordered this book. It was an unbound book. It was an absolute giant doorstopper. And, uh, you know, like you used to be, I think, I'm still intimidated by big books. Mm. And I just gorged myself silly on it over a weekend mm. because it was so gossipy and fun. And it's non fiction, but it felt like a really fun novel because it was And what I love about an oral history as well is um, they are so gossipy and everyone's always contradicting each mm. other.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. I love that in a book when, yeah, you're, it's like who, whose side are you going to be on? Because they're always contradicting each other. Yeah. I see that. Um, I mean, in lockdown, I I did definitely get back into reading. I tried A Little Life, which I think was the wrong time, <laughs> um, because I think I only got sort of 200 pages into that one and it was a bit too sad for that, that time. I read a few novels but I didn't read as much as I probably would do now. I wrote, I just wrote all the time. Um, But one that really sticks out that I read in lockdown was May We Be Forgiven by A.M. Holmes. I just adored that. It's like the following the midlife crisis of a 40-year-old man in, in America. And there was Oh,
1: that sounds brilliant. It, it was
2: brilliant. <laughs> it really en- does. anything by her. Brilliant. Um, and I read a few I read a couple of I think one of her short story collections. Um, and the other one is Yeah, this book will change your life or save your life. Um, which is the other one by her. So I was fully immersed in AM Holmes and just this this sort of commentary on American life and Adultery and marriage and um, cooking food in the kitchen, that kind of thing. So, re- really read a lot of that.
1: You've just reminded me of a book that I really, really enjoyed. And I'm going to see if I can Google it because I think it's called Monogamy.
2: Oh, yes. I bought that because your name was on the outside of it saying that you enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> oh, I am very glad that I am practicing what I'm preaching. Um, Sue Miller, Monogamy. Yes. Um, but yet, yeah, that. So the the portrait of the marriage slowly falling exactly. apart and coming unravelled, and the relationships between adult parents and adult children. Yeah, I I think I might have read that in lockdown, but that had that feeling, mm. and it really made me mm. tingle.
2: Yeah, I, I love that too. I read that um, I think last year on my way home from Ireland, I had a my grandad um, has owned a bookshop bookshop for most of my life, um, which we always go and work in in the summer. And he was always recommending us books. But it also means that when you go and visit him, all you do is sit in his lounge and and read and then go to the pub in the evening. So I read a few books that holiday. One of them was Monogamy, which I really, really liked. Again, like you say, it's a commentary on marriage. The other one was At the Table by Claire Powell, which, yes, loved that too, which is, I guess, a commentary on a contemporary family in, like, dysfunctional but everyone everyone's got their issues and, and it's all struggling to deal with it and then um animals by emma jane unsworth that was this kind of freedom party getting drunk friendships messiness that was very different to these other two but um yeah really all, all three were really good i love um, emma jane unsworth books I think she's, she's great so, tell me about the bookshop Uh, What's it called? It's called uh, the Dingle Bookshop, is in Dingle in Ireland. They actually, it was, I I believe it was last year that they sold it, unfortunately. Um, But they've had it for, yeah, most of my, like, teenagehood, adulthood. And it's this beautiful, um, the only bookshop in a small town, so everyone goes there. And um, I always used to help them with YA recommendations because they weren't sure on those and we'd go and like organize the book displays and my sister's a children's illustrator so her books are always like pride of place at the back of the shop um and oh, always recommended to anybody that comes in so we're a real bookish family <laughs> and um lots of writers as well so uh it was a real sort of hub of the love of literature I guess uh and the most comforting place to be I think bookshops are in general but this one in particular because it's like granddad's at the till. <laughs> that sounds really special. Your
1: sister is an illustrator yes. uh, where can we find her books?
2: Ah, uh, So yeah so she has two uh, well three actually published books um, one is called no Deer Around Here. Um and that's written by Andy Hussey and then she is the illustrator Rosie Venner. Um and then she's got a second book with him which is called No No Trout Any Trout About. Sorry, I said it wrong. Any Trout Any About Any Trout About. Yes, yeah. Um and they're brilliant, they're uh really, really great children's books about getting out in nature and discovering what's out there really and yeah she's done very well.
1: Oh they sound gorgeous. I got my niece for Christmas a book called The Great Dog Bottom Swap (laughs) and I did not expect my whole family to be in convulsions (laughs) so I think that for joy and fun to read more children's yeah. books and picture books. Yeah. Because there's so, it's such also such great lessons in really clear communication mm. and storytelling. I think they're the hardest stories to tell, so I will definitely be checking yeah. those out. Um, mm. and claiming they're for the small people in my life <laughs> that they'll probably be for Yes, me. for you as well. And sort of in your family. And I guess it's you know, it sounds like you all read and really know your books and, you know, <laughs> when you've got a bookshop as well and you're sort of think, you know, you know like sort of what the hot books are mm. but what are the best books that other family members have recommended to you, mm. and what have you recommended to other family
2: members that they've enjoyed the most? So my, so my sister and my aunt, the are like they're two close people to me that both are big lovers of books, and we do gift each other books. Um, my aunt, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that for a while I don't think I trusted her recommendations, and recently. I have been thinking, oh, well maybe I will read what she she's given me. And she gave me uh yeah, Secret History, um and Heartburn. <laughs> and yeah. Oh and, yeah, and both of them absolutely adored. So now anything that she gives me is definitely going to be straight to the front of the list. Um the other one she's given me is high fidelity. I think she's trying to educate me with this sort of the 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 well known classic ones and so that's next on the list.
1: I recently reread Ice because really. I do reread books mm. for, for comfort and for fun. And sometimes I think it really, really mm. helps my writing as well. Like when I'm finding out sort of technique, like the first time I read something, I just want to know yeah. what the story is and how it ends. And it's when I reread that I really start to notice sort of technique and how books that feel almost sort of effortless as an experience mm. they're all the sort of the craft that goes into mm. them But I was really surprised with um High Fidelity which I think I might have read when I was a teenager and really loved and I thought oh, this is a really cool book about London and you know being single and you know sort of living a life and being really into music and having amazing taste and then on the rereading I thought this is an incredibly sad heartbreaking book Oh no! about a man who can't get it together who's a massive nerd and but it's still very funny and very very fun and you know I think it's nice to watch him changing for the better mm. in the book.
2: Okay well yeah I'm, I'm ready to read it definitely I think something fun like that but like I say I like something that's emotional. Have you read and I'm sure you have, but I
1: was listening to um, Catherine Newman on Penny Winters' podcast today, which I really enjoy a book. I think it's called We All Want Impossible Things. Oh, no, I haven't read that one. I didn't. Oh, I think it's so far up, your okay. alley. I adored it. It's lovely. And also, I remember, again, really binging it and trying to slow down and not being able to slow down. But the heroine, her best friend is dying and in a hospice, but it's a comedy. It's a heartbreaking wow. comedy. And Ash is being this amazing hub of you know welcoming love and helping at the hospice more or less having an open house for everyone and Mm. being right there but um she's also dealing with her grief by just having quite a lot of sex with random people who work at the hospice (laughs) Wow! Um, and I remember when it came out everyone said it's like Nora Ephron and I sort of which is very cynical let me be the judge Mm. of that only Nora Ephron is Nora Ephron and I read it and I thought no, she is absolutely Nora wow. Ephron's heir. This is amazing. I think it would be so, so the book. It for definitely you, sounds like it. Said.
2: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because it's sexy and funny, and it will make you cry in a great way. All the best things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I'll, p- I'll add that one um, to the ever-growing list.
1: I know it's not like you're short of stuff to read. <laughs> um, very, very sadly, I think this conversation has flown, and I've loved talking to you about books. But I think we are drawing towards the end of our time. Would you like to recommend any books to me? Is there anything we've not talked about that you'd like to
2: Um, press into my hand (laughs) as it were? Uh, Well, um, I'm reading one at the moment, which at the beginning I didn't really know, I didn't really understand it, but now I'm halfway through. I think it's going to be a very important read it's called what a shame by Annie Bergstrom it's tough in places like really tough and I've cried multiple times already but um I I, I really like it it, it's, it feels very surreal yet incredibly real it's like a, a strange a strange balance but uh yeah I've been really enjoying that so far and otherwise I, oh yeah
1: wow. What an amazing combination. <laughs> and I love hearing about sort of, you know, the books that's live at the moment. Mm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. And thank you for your kind words about Insatial. Mm. And most of all, I am so excited about your writing journey <laughs> as well as your reading journey. Yeah. And I think, you know, every single thing we read is fuel and we learn from it. Huge congratulations on the novels you've written so far. And I'm very excited about what 2024 and holds for you in your writing future. Yes, me too. Thank you. (laughs) Huge thanks to Kezia for that wonderful conversation. My novel Limelight is published by Sphere and available from independent bookshops as well as Waterstones, Amazon and org. Your book is produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska and created by Dale Shaw and me, Daisy Buchanan. You can find a list of all the books mentioned by Kezia on our show page and you can shop a selection in our store at bookshop.org. You can find us and follow us on social media at YBooked. We'll be back in your ears later in the year with some brilliant guests and I've got some very exciting announcements about some future books coming soon. See you soon.